Get ready to lead with your heart, embrace rejection, and change your language. Welcome to the Milk Crate Mastermind Podcast. So we are here to lead with our hearts, embrace rejection, and change our language. And so the topic of today is unrecognized grief. And this is in relation to Nancy Leffler's book, The Alchemy of Grief. And it's, I think it's just a super important topic. And Nancy is an important part of the Milk Crate community that I just want to shout her work from the, the rooftops and use the podcast as an excuse to do that. And so uh, unrecognized grief, we're going to go into defining what that is and how that impacts our lives in a second. But before I do that, I would love to introduce all of us so that way you don't know uh, you're not sitting there thinking who are these people <laughs> uh, so my name is amy lancy i am the founder of the milk crate mastermind as well as untold story enterprises and so essentially what i do is i help business owners to find their stories and find the right words to really describe what they do and so i have here joining us uh, nancy dave and Margot. So Nancy, can you please introduce yourself for the audience? Sure. Hi, everyone. I'm Nancy Leffler. Um, I'm the founder of Being With Grief and the author of The Alchemy of Grief, Your Journey to Wholeness. And what I do is guide my clients through their grief journey and help them to recognize that, that unrecognized grief. Because as you'll hear in a few moments, if we don't, it can impact our lives and we can't, we wouldn't be able to fully participate in our lives. And I want everyone to fully participate in their lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so we have uh, Dave Baldwin here. Dave, can you please introduce yourself? Yes. Hi, my name is Dave Baldwin and uh, the founder of Baldwin Systems. My focus is integrating my background of technology, marketing, and finance to create a systematic approach for growing businesses to grow successfully and profitably. Thank you, Dave. And Margo, please introduce yourself. My name is Margot Aerosmith. I'm with Age Out Loud. My mission is to keep people active, involved, and participating and contributing for a hundred years or more. Sounds like my kind of aging. So thank you, Margot. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about unrecognized grief because when we hear the word grief, we often think about the loss of somebody, the loss of a loved one. And from what I've learned from Nancy, grief expands so much more than death, than the loss of a pet or a, a family member or a loved one. So Nancy, can you please define for us what unrecognized grief is? Well, unrecognized grief is any loss that is operating in our lives that we don't know about. And um, I think that's the simplest way to define it. And uh, um, I don't always start with statistics, but this one always startles me even today. The, the Grief Recovery Institute has a statistic that says that the effect of unrecognized grief on the workplace exceeds $116 billion a year. And they, they looked at things like poor decision-making, safety, and inability to concentrate. So it, those are 
those can be three signs that unrecognized grief is a program that's operating in, in your life someplace and, and, and you don't even know it. Okay, awesome. Thank you, Nancy. And can you, can you give three examples of, of losses that yeah. are at the root of unrecognized grief? Yeah, the, these you mentioned that oftentimes we think grief only comes into our lives um, when we are grieving the death of a loved one. What about when you lose a job? Or what about when you lose a relationship? Um, those are all things that happen throughout our lives, yet we're expected to just be strong, buck up, and get through it. And yet, if we don't grieve what we what went before, we're not going to be able to move through. Um, another one might be um, moving to a new place without any mm -hmm. support. Yeah. Yep. And then when by the time you get there, you're all by yourself and then having to figure out life in general by yourself, exactly. which adds exactly. to the loneliness. Yeah, I get yeah. that. I get that. Uh, Dave, can you think of other examples of unrecognized grief? I think there's a lot of different examples of what I would think of as low level grief, because when I think about the loss mm -hmm. of a loved one, I would call that acute grief, like where mm -hmm. there's a punctuated moment of something obvious that just disrupted my life in a forcible way. But I think most of life happens between inside, in between those moments. So for me, an example of, of grief that probably a lot of people wouldn't describe as grief is just any kind of disappointment like anytime i expected something to happen and it doesn't and just kind of like nancy was just saying like i might say oh i was i was really had my hopes up about this and i felt let, let down a lot of people will say yeah well so what just deal with it that's life and mm -hmm. uh yeah and, and so i think the low level grief it's the, the insidious part about it is there's there's a thousand of those little disappointments that can happen and no, no single one makes a huge difference by itself. But when you add the combined effect compounded over time, the effect can be enormous. So uh, that's that's my thought. It looks like Margo yeah. had something to chime in there. Oh yeah, Margo, please chime in. What, what, I'm gonna give an example. Early on in my career, I worked at a, a high-risk prenatal clinic and I and I worked with parents whose, whose babies were born dead, but, and I help them grieve. But more importantly, or, or differently, according to what we're talking about, is people whose babies were born differently than they thought they were going to be. Either mm -hmm. they had some sort of um, of physical disability. And, and what I would do, for instance, is I would say, you know, if it was a little boy and he, you know, something was wrong with his arm. And I, and, and I would, you know, go to the father and ask him, well, you know, while your wife was pregnant, how many times had you played softball with or baseball with this kid? Because until you can grieve what you thought you were going to have, it, you're not going to as fully be able to love and embrace what in fact you do have. And, right. and, I, and that's a pretty uh, stark example, but there's so many times in our life when maybe we got less than what we thought we were going to get, and you know, to take a little bit of time and to grieve what we didn't get, so that we can then look at what we did get and fully appreciate what's there. Right, right. Because that that loss of expectation, that loss of that that image in your head, you know, that is grief. That is something to grieve. And so, Nancy, as the the um, the grief guide here, you know, 
when you work with your clients and they experience grief, like much what Marco was was talking about, where the the picture in their head didn't match what happened in reality. You know what what do you typically tell them when they finally recognize, like you know, this is grief that I I never took care of. Yeah, and oftentimes they come to me for the acute grief, like Dave was talking about, and that's when they find that all the other griefs that haven't been recognized yeah. until then come to the surface for because they want attention too. And that's when the overwhelm happens. And so we, I teach them how to get better at feeling their feelings and feeling them one at a time so that the, so that the overwhelm doesn't um, completely annihilate them. I, I, there was a time when I thought I was going to um, combust because all these feelings were just so intense. And if we meet them one at a time, and the other thing is when all these feelings from unrecognized grief start to come up because the acute grief ripped open your life, like it did my life, um, once I started learning how to meet my feelings and feel my feelings, they calmed down because they were mm. getting the attention. So that they get louder to get our attention learning how to be with our feelings, learning how to express our feelings um, helps us to move through them. And um, I do that one one feeling at a time. We, we don't have yeah. to meet everything all at once, one feeling at a time. Um, and then we gain the skills. We don't think that um, moving through grief is something that we can learn how to do, but there are definitely our skills to learning how to get better at feeling our feelings, moving through grief and um, moving forward rather than staying stuck in a place that the, unrecon the, the unrecognized grief is like layers of protection around our hearts. Right, right. And it's kind of like what Dave was saying that it's a compounded effect, right? It's a compounded effect because yeah. honestly, from what I found in my life that if I don't deal with my feelings right then and there, I had to deal with them later. Like, it's not like it just right. magically goes away and never comes back. No, it comes back and it comes back in full force with all the other stuff I haven't done. Yeah, with. And it, it's, it's and, more like a pressure cooker then and then it, it can explode. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And I think that, um, I think here, here's, the, here's something that I want to highlight that sometimes in our society, or not sometimes, just a lot of times we are, encouraged to just kind of put those feelings away and you know just deal with it right but at the same time by the time we're ready to deal with those feelings we still have those voices in our heads of oh i i should be fine with this i should be fine uh you know i should be over this now why am i not over this and so there's that internal dialogue that you gotta get get caught up in as opposed to like feeling the feelings right mm -hmm. And just letting it go, like, no, you're just kind of in the internal dialogue, like, no, I should be over this. And then get caught up in everything. And then still not deal with what we need to deal with. So I think it's, uh, I think that sometimes the voices of society and our culture can make things worse in terms of delaying the natural processes that need to take place. So, um, Dave, uh, I would love to hear, you know, from your standpoint, when you have 
when you have worked with people in your network, you know, just how have you noticed unrecognized grief showing up in, say, a business event, which, you know, sounds kind of strange um, because usually you don't associate unrecognized grief with business, but I'm sure that there are times when you have noticed something or at least the after effects. And I'd love to hear, you know, if you have noticed that from your, uh, from, from your experience. Well, it's interesting when you look at things from a business standpoint, the, the, the immediate answer that jumps out at me is when people are inconsistent for no obvious reason. And in a business context, you now add the other complication that people have to put their professional faces on. And so, which means they're less likely to be honest about what's really going on because mm -hmm. that's not going to be well received in a business environment. So an example might be when somebody says they talk about a business idea, they're all gung-ho about it. They talk about how they're going to move forward in this timetable. I'm going to do A, B, and C. And the next week you see them and the train's gone in a whole different direction and they act like the last conversation never happened or just these other weird, bizarre, irrational shifts in behavior that don't make logical sense if you look at the, the, the surface mm. of it. But to me, that would be an indicator that there's an unrecognized emotion or probably a combination of unrecognized emotions and that grief is somewhere in that mix. So when you talk about that, are you talking about the... Um... And not, not just erratic behavior, but you're also talking about the resistance that people can feel when it comes to uh, executing things. Yeah, I mean, I, I think part of answering your original question, grief may be part of why people don't execute, because it might be that mm. when it comes time to sit down and do something. Now, I, I'm, I'm reminded of a loss that I've recently or maybe a long time ago experienced. So, but it's a multifaceted question. Right. I can recognize for myself that there are times uh, where people underestimated me or I didn't accomplish something. And then the little voice in my head was like, no, you're, you're not ready for this. Right. And so I could see how in the past I have not executed things because that little voice in my head from long, long ago, when I felt that grief and didn't deal with it, you know, coming through be like, nope, you're not going to do this because you're, you know, this is way bigger than you and you're not meant for this. You know, like I, I feel that sometimes and that that has definitely caused me to, you know, you know, buckle in the knees and just not want to follow through on certain ideas. So Margot, you have something to say? I think when we're talking about the kind of grief we're talking about today, it can also be from unmet expectations and mm. expectations, of course, can be one of our worst enemies, but we all have them. I mean, we pretend like we shouldn't, but we all do. However, if we have an expectation that we're going to, for instance, go into a party and be greeted in a certain way, but then we're like, oh, no, no, we don't even deal with, oh, my God, I, you know, my feelings are hurt. Then when we come to business and we get, because in business, we have to expect a lot of rejections and no's and because that's part of business, that if, if they're being put on top of all of the other times when your expectations weren't met and you when you weren't greeted the way you wanted to be, et cetera, then it becomes so much harder to do it in business. And I think that's a bit of what Dave was talking about too. Yep, yep. Because he, and he mentioned this earlier that, you know, that having that business face on, it's something where, you know, personal stuff, 
it's hard because personal stuff is so integrated with ourselves and yet in business, you know, it's not, it's not always a good idea to bring all the personal stuff into business. And actually it might need, it might warrant a break from the personal stuff as you work on business. Um, but at the same time, you're more, you're more likely to not be honest with yourself and also not be honest with other people. And then having to try continue that even after the business dealing is over, you know, it's like, I still got to deal with that at home, like, but I'm not because I got my game face on. So, um, and I think that when it comes to, to grief, you know, even like the little list of things, uh, we could just easily disregard. And then I know for myself, I compartmentalize, you'd be like, okay, so I see that this ha thing happened, but I have to go to this other uh, this other occasion that I promised to go to. And I, I know I've compartmentalized things, be like, okay, I'm gonna deal with this after the occasion, whatever that is. And in the past, I would not go back to it, but now I will. But that took a long time for me to get to that point because I was in that camp of maybe I'll just go magically away. <laughs> so yeah, and it doesn't, it doesn't. Uh, so what I'm really hearing from you guys is like, you know, there's unmet expectations, you know, losses, changes, transitions, a cumulative effect, you know, and affects us not just personally, but in business too. And I think about how um, Dave mentioned, there are inconsistencies that just happen with no explanation. And I have seen that for pe with people and that's hurt the relationship because I, I, I was depending on them for something and, and they didn't pull through. And I think everyone here can, can uh, attest that they've met those people who mean well, but then something happened where they just couldn't pull through. So, uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, about the impact of grief in terms of uh, how we've dealt with it. And we don't have to we don't have to share like exactly what the grief was here, but I would just love to hear uh, you know from the group, you know, how have you dealt with unrecognized grief once you recognized it? like what 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 action did you take to address it? Um, so I would love to, who would like to chime in here? Okay, uh, Nancy? Well, obviously the death of my daughter was recognized grief. However, what it brought up, some of the unrecognized grief that I found was still, I was still living with that I became aware of after I began dealing with um, the death of my daughter was the outcome of my first pregnancy. It, 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 we were in a car accident. We, um, I ended up having a C-section instead of the natural birth with midwives that I had planned, that we had planned. And yes, I had a healthy baby. I didn't have the birth, um, mm. uh, the birth experience that that I wanted. And so I had to grieve that, and that that stayed with me for a really long time. And however, it, I know we're not going to talk about the gifts of grief today, but by meeting that, it led me to become um, a childbirth educator, and it helped me to um, help others who were in, in that situation, and eventually led me to be able to have a um, a, a vaginal birth with my daughter um, two and a half years later. So. 
Um, mm -hmm. That's one example for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that happens so often with, and I remember when I was preparing to have my daughter, when I was pregnant with her, how there were all these stories of women who had this idea of what their birth was going to look like, the birth that their child was going to look like, especially when it was their first, and it didn't meet their expectation. Like, you know, something happened where they were in labor for 26 hours and then still had an emergency C-section and then had this huge recovery time afterwards in addition to postpartum depression. Like, it was just a whole landslide of stuff. And right. you have that. Yeah, and it's supposed and, to be something happy, right? Well, so. and, and even what if your experience of being um, a new mother doesn't match what you thought it was going to be? That right. happens so, mm -hmm. so often. I, I actually, yes. when I was working in this clinic, had a mother come to me and she, her baby was born and she was there and she, she quietly, she said, is it okay that I don't feel all of this overwhelming? I mean, because mm -hmm. she really had been taught that's what mm -hmm. she was supposed to feel. She really thought there was something wrong with her. So, um, again, then you need to mourn the expectations, right. and then you can then you can deal with what you've got. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. I can definitely see that. I can definitely see that. Now, Dave, I know you're not a mom, so I'm not going to ask you uh, from your <laughs> perspective. <laughs> like, but an but... observation. Yeah. <laughs> But was there, um, during times when you had unmet expectations, you know, how did you, uh, how did you deal with it? How did you deal with the, the grief around it for yourself? Yeah, it's interesting. So the, the, the unmet expectation that comes to mind the most often for me, the, my, my, one of my deepest core values is respect. And if I have an expectation to be respected and somebody treats me with disrespect, uh, a lot of times my, my gut go-to response is anger, but one of the things I've learned the more I read about emotions and everything like that is that men are trained that it's okay to be angry. It's not okay to be sad or any of the uh... other because anger is equated with strength. And when in reality, it, actually being angry makes you incredibly weak usually because you're angry at the moments when you're powerless, but it creates an, an illusory feeling of power. So mm -hmm. one of the things that when, when I, I look at some of the, the, the happiest times in my life have been when I felt like I was respected by everyone around me and just genuinely valued for who I was without having to try to be something else. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I know I've experienced waves of grief when I've moved into seasons of life when I felt like I didn't have that any longer. Uh, but it's never something that's totally lost and never coming back again, because the possibility always exists that I could find it again, even if I don't know where or when or how I'll find that again. But I think that's, uh, so, so I'm sorry, did I, am I answering the full question? Let me make sure, maybe you rein me back. Yeah, in. yeah, yeah. So basically, like what I'm hearing from you is that, you know, when you, when people disrespect you, uh, it's, you know, it's easy to feel angry about it, but then it sounds like you're also able to pull on past experiences, past data of when you were respected and being able to draw on that to balance out the feelings in the moment, but then also to recognize what is it like to be respected versus, you know, well, what it feels you know, like to be disrespected. And I think the, the, the other key point to make about all this is I've realized that for most of my life, I've related to, to respect as something that can only be given to me by somebody else. 
that, mm. that I can't source from inside myself. And so from that worldview, it can feel devastating if somebody treats you with disrespect because right. how well somebody else treats me is a measure of, of whether I'm worth being respected or not. Um, mm -hmm. So there's there's a really strong and deeply rooted feeling of grief that goes with that. And I think it's, I, I, you know, I definitely have made a lot of strides in moving beyond that, but it's it's there's many, many layers to it that have to be yeah. you know, dealt with one at a time. And that's the thing, right? There's so many layers. We all have layers of grief to have to deal with. As much work as we've done on ourselves, there's always another layer. Uh, and it's interesting what you just said about for men, it's okay to be angry, but not be sad. I feel like it's the opposite for women. It's not okay for a woman to be angry, but it's okay for her to be sad because you know she's meek and mild and quiet. And so of course she would be sad, but to be angry would make her crazy. And so it's just so interesting you mentioned that. That was my first thought. And um, but yeah, for men, it's like, you know, you you're allowed to be angry, but every other emotion is unacceptable. And that's a that's a, also a really hard place to be in. I should also so. tell you that for that exact reason and that cultural stereotype that if a man decides to use tears to manipulate a woman, it works very well. Um mm -hmm. so um and, and it's something to be aware of like it's when, when when a manipulative man decides to use that to, to basically weaponize emotion um you know oh, it, it's something true. we all have to be aware of that that possibility exists right right and then gosh now, now you just kind of flipped me on my head i gotta think about that but you're right that's so true margo it looks like you have something to say oh i i, I know what dave is saying is exactly true and thank you very much for bringing it up um, I, I guess I was going to give an example, and, and, and this is when my parents died. When my mother died at 87, and my mother had and I had had a, a, a difficult relationship. There were times when it was great, but a lot of times when it was difficult. A, a little bit before she died, I was alone with her taking care of her, and her blood, the, when the EMT came, they said her blood sugar was down to 40, which will make you be very psychotic, I will tell you, because I discovered that. But while she was in that state, she kept saying over and over again, I loved you so much. Why was I so hard on you? And I realized mm. that all of this time that I had spent, you know, angsting about how my mother was whatever she was with me, it was much it was at least as if not much more hard on her and, and something she couldn't do a lot about or, or didn't feel she could. But when my so when my mother died, it was a, it was a it was an experience of not just of my mother dying, because that happens, and especially at 87, but of the loss of the ability to make that right. You know, we always have, mm. we have a difficult relationship with a parent. We always have this hope that someday we're going to make it right. And when they die, right. it's harder. Now, my dad was a dream. Dad and I were great. He died at 93. I 10 years later, I still miss him dearly. Mm. But I did not have that same feeling with him because we just didn't have all that un undealt with emotion right. and and grief because i think right. what my mother demonstrated in that moment was is that she was grieving that she was not able to be the kind of mother with me that she wanted to be right um, and, and so we were and yeah i mean that just hit me like whoa um yeah. there she was you know anyway so, so, so people are surprised when, you know, sometimes when you, when a parent dies, who you've had a good relationship with, it's not as hard as the one you've had the bad relationships with. Right. It's because there are fewer unresolved 
things and we yes we need to resolve stuff folks if we can exactly 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 you know i reckon i recognize and i I had two friends that died a couple years ago one died and it shook my world but she and i were on so such good terms like it was somehow easier to take than the second death where i had a lot of baggage with that friend um and when they died died it was just it was so much it was so much all the stuff came up to the surface um and uh dave i think you brought up a, a new idea for a podcast episode which is like weaponizing emotions it's like i think that would be an interesting podcast mm-hmm. episode so thank you dave for bringing that up uh I, i'm gonna start wrapping us wrapping up things uh so I want to just end this with talking about our takeaways, like one takeaway we all, you know, each of us got from this discussion, as well as how people can find you. So, so Nancy, I know that we have talked about unrecognized grief offline immensely, and we talked about it again today, you talk about in your book, you talk about with clients, you talk about everybody. So I'm just curious, you know, what is one takeaway you got from our discussion today and how people can find you in your book. Yeah, as much as I talk about grief and I talk about it daily, uh, I write about it, um, I, it, it's a part of my of my life. It always really astounds me when we have these conversations, how many layers there are and how important it is to continue to have the conversation because, um, the example Margot just gave is a great example of how when a person dies in a family, everybody has a different experience of grief because everybody has a different relationship to that the person that died. And so the same is true no matter what you're going through in, in your life. So um, that's um, it. grief is important to talk about and it, it, like I said, it always astounds me how how many layers there the really are and, and, and what happens when we start having these conversations. Uh, the best way to find me is on my website at Being With Grief. I'm also on Facebook at um, Being With Grief and Nancy Leffler Miller. No, Nancy Miller Leffler. <laughs> uh, my book is available on um, Amazon, The Alchemy of Grief, Your Journey to Wholeness. And um, I'm also willing to have a conversation with anyone if they would like to do that. Absolutely. And and you know, we'll also have more conversations after this for the episodes following up. So, uh, but yes, you can definitely have your own private conversation with Nancy. <laughs> uh, Dave, what is one takeaway you have from this discussion as well as how can people find you? Well, so one takeaway I get is that if I'm dealing with a complex problem or a creative problem or a brick wall or something that I'm having like a knot I can't pull apart in my business, that another place to look is, is there unresolved grief somewhere that's inhibiting my ability to think creatively about this problem right now? Mm. Yeah. So as opposed to like ramming our heads in the wall, like, why can't I figure this out? Chances are there's a knot in the rope. I can't can't always just create another spreadsheet to fix this. (laughs) And just so you all know, Dave is the king of spreadsheets. He has a spreadsheet for everything. So yeah, I guess you can't make a spreadsheet for everything, Dave. So you will try, but you can't. It it doesn't always work. So, (laughs) Um, and, And how can people find you, Dave? 
So you can find me on my website, dave-baldwin.com. Don't forget the hyphen or Baldwin Systems on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Awesome. Sweet. I still got to look up what you're tweeting. So right now, no. <laughs> <never had to>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. I'm not missing anything. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. And Margo, what is one takeaway you have from, from discussion? This discussion. Ugh. What is one takeaway you got from this discussion? That, how can people well, find you? that simultaneously, grief is, depending on what it is we're grieving or who we're grieving or who we are, is a very different and unique thing all the time. And simultaneously, it's really always the same it really always boils down to the same is is that it's work that we have to do it's work that's never totally complete but each time we revisit it we can do it more completely than we did before absolutely mm -hmm. and how can people find you uh, right now, the best thing to do is to go to Facebook and go to the Facebook, I think it's either a group or a page, but it's Age Out Loud. And you can find me there and look forward to hearing from people. Awesome. Sweet. Uh, my one takeaway today is, you know, grief can take many forms and it has a cumulative effect but most of all, it has to do with unmet expectations. You know, even when you lose somebody, it's like, I count on this person always being there. Or uh, you know, when you have a loss of a job, like I thought I was gonna be there forever. Or you know, I, you know, when you're, the birth of your child went, dif went differently, like I had a completely different picture in my head that this is gonna be a joyous occasion. Or even what Dave brought up that, you know, when you trust somebody and they manipulate you or they disrespect you, you know, I thought this person was gonna be different from other people who have mistreated me. You know, you know, it, it all has to do with unmet expectations and then having to deal with that grief in order to come out on the other side. And so we're, we're gonna talk about the other side in a, in, a, in a following episode after this. So don't you worry, don't you, don't you all think like, Talk about grief, like what's the good, what, what, what is there to look forward to with dealing with grief? Like we'll talk about that in the next episode where we talk about the gifts of grief. So in the meanwhile, uh, please go back to listen to this episode, reach out to all of us if you have any questions. And if you have any questions about the podcast in particular, please go to milkcratemastermind.com. You can fill out the contact form there, or you can email me at amy at amylancy.com. And also just stay tuned for all our other conversations. So thank you everyone for being here. Uh, and thank you to you listeners for just listening to what we have to say, that the, the greatest gift you can give anyone is to be heard. And that's what you're giving us right now. So, uh, so I'll see you, we'll see you later. Okay, bye. <laughs>